Smartcast. Only the good die young. Okay, here's uh, the story from the Wikipedia page on Only the Good Die Young. Uh, Written by Joel while opening for the Beach Boys in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, okay, wow. there you go. At which point, are you ready? Jeff, uh, you're not going to know this. And if you guess it, I'll give you a thousand bucks. What was the original sound for Only the Good Die Young? The original sound? Yeah, he had. It was a completely different sound. He 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 moved to a rock version. But what was the oh, original version? It was a reggae song. <laughs> it was a reggae song. I don't know that. But as soon as you said that, I could hear it. Fifty years of music with fifty-year-old white guys. tonight good evening timothy good i'm especially excited for 77 man ben this is a this is one heck of a year 1977 but before we get to that from the top welcome to the drive-in podcast network oh come on yeah yeah the uh the drive-in podcast network is up and running and we are a part of it uh, they are hosting our podcast. They wanted um, a musical podcast. I said we can sing, and then <laughs> they've got uh, they've got a couple sports podcasts. They've got a couple movie podcasts. This guy is uh, building a whole network, and he wanted and us. I love it. I and we will. I'm thrilled to be a pillar in the foundation of the drive-in podcast network. Sure. How fun. We're five-star recruits for sure. Which yeah, begs exactly. The question, how short-sighted are the directors of the drive-in podcast network? I'm going to worry about that later. Okay. I just like, yeah, I just no. love to be loved. Well, as part of our, our contract with them, we're getting uh, new microphones, new headsets, raises, and the use of the company jet. Uh, that's pretty good. Okay. But I have demanded... <laughs> Blue M&M's only. Oh, green. Come on. Now I'm out. I quit. <laughs> uh, Jeff Simons, who was the, you said Van Halen's the most notorious band. The most notorious writer. No brown M&M's. And they, they asked for five bags of M&M's with all the brown ones removed. That and the idea weird. was that there, in 1983, they had a really sophisticated stage show that required wiring in these places that not everybody had. And so okay. they put that in there on page nine. And if they got to the dressing room and saw no brown M&Ms, they knew they weren't going to get electrocuted. But if they saw oh. brown M&Ms, they were like, the, the, the stage manager knew, like, show me all the wiring so that the lights don't blow out the Oklahoma City. Because you know, the venue hadn't dome. read the rider. Yep. So that Interesting. was... That was, but they also um, would use that as, as an excuse to completely trash the place. So it had a it had a rock and roll side to it as well. So. Did the Rolling Stones do things like this, Ben? They had some weird riders for sure, but I don't think they had an Eminem rider. It okay. was more along the lines of sex and drugs, a little more <laughs> higher end. Yeah, the the greatest rider ever is um, the stage manager for Iggy Pop has an infamous seventeen page single space all caps rider. <laughs> that he sent out to arenas that you can All see caps. online. If you just check, just type in Iggy Pop Writer, it is, it is a scream. The guy was so funny and it's just, but it, it, the fact wow. that it's in all caps, like typed, like right. manifesto style on a Selectric typewriter, <laughs> it, it's really, it's something else. 
Well, that is terrific. Well, 1977. So our quest, if you've never listened to this before, our quest is to find the greatest song for each year we've been alive. Can't use an artist more than twice. And you can pick out whether or not the, the song was recorded or was it charted or maybe there's a live performance. So you get to cheat a little bit. Is there any cheating going on tonight, gentlemen? No, but also it's not the best song. We're not doing the best song. You'll hear tonight. I promise you my song is not the best song that came out in 77. And yet it's I don't a like the cheating, but I'm, I'm acquiescing to the cheating because okay. I'm, I'm in a podcast with some, with some uh, loose morals, but what are you going to do? <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's go to the Grammy winner. So we're going to give the folks <laughs> a taste of what was happening in 1977. So this, it's actually, there are two songs. There are co-winners this year of the Grammy. Is that true? It is true. Uh, the second song we'll save because it happens to be the number one hit of the year. It's the Grammy winner. Evergreen, Love Theme from A Star Is Born by Barbara Streisand. That's the Grammy winner? That's the love the- theme from A Star is Born. Oh, oh, so that that's our gal. We were just talking that's about that. That's Barbara Streisand. That is oh, correct. I didn't recognize that from seeing that horrible movie. I can't believe it. That's how much I disliked that movie. I blocked it out of my brain. That was one of those that was one of those segments where they just turned it over to her in the film and she just Dude, sang. Jeff will know this, but um, one sure sign for me is a flute. I hate a flute. When there's a okay. flute, really a hate song, a flute. really any song, I hate it. When Streisand's voice came in, I was like, oh my God, is that a flute? And then she started, they started making words. I was like, oh my God, no, it's the human flute. My favorite thing about Streisand is the, is the tiny to huge note. Right. She does that like, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, it, but it, this looks like, you know, like when a car drives by you and like you can hear the horn and then it kind of gets further and further <laughs> yeah, away. Like, totally. It's like the human version of that on like every song she sings. Oh. Like, Good Lord, I forgot that. So that was the, that was 77. It's the Star is Born came out in 77. Oh God. It's what, what's the name of the uh, song, Jeff? Uh, it's actually called Love Theme from a Star is Born, parentheses, Evergreen. Uh-huh. Evergreen. Yeah. Wow, that is a dog. Um, but it's I, bad minute, for a Strike song. It is, it's Shakespeare compared to the song of the year though. I mean, okay, okay, we'll we'll get to that. We, right. we, we got to space this out for Ben. Ben's, oh, I think oh. I, I think Ben's done with the Grammy uh, organization altogether, and um, it's yeah, no longer... keep getting worse. That I think that was the low point right there. Oh, is that worse than Tire Yellow Ribbon? Just wait till yes. what's next. No, Tire Yellow Ribbon is worse. Tire Yellow Ribbon. I don't know. That's all. At least Tire Yellow Ribbon was about getting out of prison. I hear that's true. Like getting out of prison, coming home from Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. No, but. Sure. All right. Ever, well, yeah, Evergreen is its own prison. You're a right. little history. So we know the events of 1977. 
Jimmy Carter uh, takes the helm of the United States. What's one of his first acts as president of the United States? Sells his peanut farm. Before he became president, yes, he did have to sell his peanut farm because I mean, yeah, can't have a president who's doing business. That would be wrong. Imagine, be awful. Uh, I have no idea. Did he make Billy the secretary of uh, fermented hops? I mean, what was the? This is a fascinating move coming out of the Nixon era. He pardons all draft dodgers. So anyone who ran away to Canada, anyone who was on the run in the United States, just a full blanket pardon as he takes office, trying to like move the country on from Vietnam. Interesting. Um, Can I ask a follow-up question about Jimmy Carter? Is Jimmy Carter the greatest ex-president? Yes. I actually went to the Jimmy Carter work project. We built houses in the Philippines uh, one year. It was remarkable. He, He came through my house. Uh, he shook his head sadly at my handiwork. But anyways. <laughs> um, Son, you can't let people live in this house you built. Ben Barton, there was a blackout in New York City. Do you know anything about this? I remember it. For sure. Big story from 77. What, what do you remember? Um, the blackout is a blur with the garbage strike and the Ford telling New York to screw itself. But I was actually just talking about this. Oh, uh, really? New York was a super bad place to live in the mid-70s. Just awful. And the blackout was just another example of it. When did uh, Warriors come out? Is that later? Yeah, that's like 83 or 82, no. I think. I it's think sometime so. in the 80s for sure. 81, maybe? All right. Yeah. We're, we're going to have Jeff Simons uh, check on that. I'm as, looking at it. As we go to Ben Barton with a, uh, with a musical question, Elvis Presley dies. Uh, Leonard Skinner loses two members. Uh, which was more devastating for, for the musical world? Leonard Skinner. The, the Skinner guys died this year? Yeah, 77. Three, was it three weeks? And the, album, the original album yeah. art that came out was them in front of a burning airplane. And they had to yank it all out of stores what? and redo the album what? cover. Yep. Wait, so this is, I, I apologize for previewing next year. But you got that right. Must have been recorded before they died. Yeah, right, right before. Right. Okay. He, he dies three weeks later, I think. It's an out, I believe it's an outtake from this album that gets put on that gold and platinum collection. Yeah. Um, um, so the, this is a super mean thing to say, and I apologize. The Presley death is a mercy killing. He, like, <laughs> that worked out great for him. I Every believe, year that he kept yeah. living was going to make it worse, for sure. And so that was, like, he was on his way out and had to go. Well, the, the Skinner guys... Um, Maybe they had more good stuff coming. Right, right. I got it. Wait, hold on. If Presley lives another 10 years, it just gets worse. But doesn't, if Presley makes it to like, to the late, (laughs) early 90s, doesn't he lose 150 pounds and have like a weird Travolta rebirth in his 60s? Johnny Cash. Oh, I like the Johnny Cash comp. That's the I think he could, I think if he had survived that particular low point, he'd have cleaned his act up and maybe had one more. Doing like a duet with act. Bono, yeah. That's the optimist right. in you, Jeff, and it's not happening, man. He, he was on really a one-way train. He, he, I actually think Elvis Presley is the Burt Reynolds of music. There are more bad Elvis songs than there are good Elvis songs. And there's more yes. bad Elvis songs than maybe anybody else, like Burt Reynolds movies. There are like two good Burt Reynolds movies and 37 bad ones, you know? I, are there more bad Elvis movies? 
than good no, Elvis movies. Of, there's no good Elvis. Is there any good Elvis movie? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Jailhouse Rock is probably pretty good. <laughs> but Burt Reynolds, he had the Boogie Nights, so maybe Elvis would have had yeah. that late. That's what late I'm thinking. Yeah. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Elvis Presley was still on the charts. It was the country chart. He, he had like three country uh, chart hits in 77. I, I don't know if they were posthumous or, or what, but I was surprised he was full country by that time. Um, he was fu- full already. <laughs> <laughs> country breakfast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, what did you find out about Warriors? 1979. Okay. So split the difference between our two memories, but yeah. All right. Walter uh, Hill, the same guy who made Streets of Fire. Yeah, or, sure. Yeah. All right. I've got two awesome music questions for two music nerds. Oh, I'm and, and that's what you guys this. are. I would not get either. We could do this as categories where you can take, take turns back and forth. Oh. Okay. Cheap Trick had a number one hit in Japan. No, Jeff, don't tell me Cheap Trick is this year. <laughs> cheap Trick. <laughs> What was the song that went number one in Japan for Cheap Trick? Well, Jeff should know that she's Japan. a huge Cheap I'm Trick I'm a huge guy. Cheap Trick, but I he's never know. He's like... me out about Cheap Trick all the time. He's really? Get this. Okay. Yeah, I do like that. I'm going to go with um, Come On, Come On was the, ne- was the song. Nope. Was number I am one. sorry. Right. Ben, do you have a guess? I'm Better actually look- clicking on the Wikipedia page for no, Cheap can't... Trick, Cheap what? Trick, the 77 album. Dude, First of all, this record sucks, and I hate this record. I do not like the first Cheap Trick record. So you're just looking. You're really sad. You're just looking at the uh, songs. Oh, hold on. Is it He's a Whore? It is. Two minutes and 43 seconds? Because that's a banger. It is not He's a Whore. (laughs) It's a good sound, though. No, it's not. Back to me. Uh, I'll go with um, Oh Candy was the number one song. All right? Ben. I got to keep guessing? Final guess. I thought He's a Whore. I thought I won on that one. Final guess. Uh, let's see. Oh, I said I want you to want me. That came out in seventy-seven. Uh, it was Clock Strikes Ten. No way. Uh, that was number one. Number in Japan. one. Yeah. You'd have given me twenty guesses. I wouldn't have gotten it. All right. Well, we failed with that music nerd question. I have a second music nerd question. There was an artist that had two top five hits at the same time. Hasn't happened since the Beatles. Who was the artist who had two top five hits in 1977? The Bee Gees. It is not the Bee Gees. No, really? Fleetwood Mac? It is not Fleetwood Mac. Bay City Rollers. No. Okay. Final guess, Ben Barton. Uh, It's totally wrong. I guess a Bowie. It is Linda Ronstadt. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Two top five hits in 1977. Maybe what I should do, maybe it'll be more interesting for the listeners if I email you the questions beforehand. You promise not to look it up, but at least you can think about it. You can't trust it. Ben and not lay. He's going to be like... <laughs> okay. Well, let's go to our 1977 number one hit. Now, this is the co-winner of Grammy, Song of the Year, but it was also the, the chart topper for 1977. Oh, boy. Go ahead. It's the number one hit. You Light Up My Life by Debbie Boone. So many nights I'd sit by my window Waiting for someone to sing me his 
I mean, <laughs> horrible. What were they thinking? Seriously, like, imagine getting in your car, starting up your, your Plymouth, and being like, you know what I really wish I hear today? You love it my life. I'm Debbie go Boone. Get it right to AM660 there in New York. Hopefully, you light up my life will be what I hear. Well, I, I said, like, uh, we're, to, we're to the point By the way, sorry to interrupt. It makes Disco <laughs> look good. Like, you can understand right? that. When Disco yeah. came out there, like, thank God. Useful. <laughs> Fine. Whatever. Yes. Uh, Parliament. Yes. I mean, that's, I was <sighs> thinking, I was thinking this is no longer funny. Ben's going to just get really angry at this point that the Grammy keeps going to these just Sucks. So I have, I, have, I have a hilarious story about this song. Um, <laughs> I was taking piano lessons at the Jordan Kitts piano store in the Severna Park Mall in 1977. And, you know, playing my little stupid scales. And the sure. teacher was like, hey, listen, we're going to learn the number one song in the country. Okay. I got a deal on the sheet music and I got you an extra copy. We're, and he pulled out the sheet music for you light up my life. And then he said to me, you know, best thing about it, it's about God. And I remember thinking, even at that age, I was like, that's the best thing about this. <laughs> but on the way, uh, way, and it, it gets better, because on the way home, I'm, I'm, mom's like, how's the piano lesson? I was like, fine. I'm going to learn how to play right, let up my light up my mic. And mom says, you know what? That song's about God. <laughs> two, <laughs> two different adults within nine minutes felt the need to like explain the deep complexity of the you, of you light up my yeah. life. By the way, I've never, ever thought of that as a song about God. Yeah. It makes more sense as a love song to God than as a love song to a person that might have like a beating heart and flesh and feelings. And <laughs> Oh, I disagree. I like it as a love song to a flawed human. It actually hurts my feelings for God. That's, that's not a good look for God at all. <laughs> all right. Gentlemen, the Atari 2600 comes out in 1977. That's a big deal. It did not become popular until 1980 when which game came along? Pong. Football. Oh, no, it was Space Invaders. Space Invaders. Excellent. Bang, bang, Sorry. Bang, Pong was bang, the original bang. one, but Space Invaders was the one they made it popular. So in 1977, it also came with another game. What was the original game that came? Adventure. No. Maybe football? What was it? It was combat. Oh, yeah, the wow. tanks. That's a nice tanks. generic name. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> All right. Let's get to the impossible question. Um, Jeff, you get it this time. Okay. France in 1977 executes its last condemned prisoner by means of the guillotine. The guillotine goes all the way to 1977. Wow. I think they outlawed it because it was no longer considered humane. Impossible question. Jeff, if you were condemned to die, what would be your choice as far as the way you're going to go? Oh, I would say uh, natural causes. No, no, you're condemned to die. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Uh, I think... um, I mean, I got to be honest, guillotine's not bad. I mean, you got the two seconds of the sound, right? Shing, like that's not uh-huh. good. That's but firing fine. squad, that's rough, right? Electrocution, no thanks. Drowning would be the worst. I think drowning is, is my greatest. Hands down. My greatest fear. Um, I guess lethal injection, right? You just go to sleep. Yeah, the lethal injection is terrible. Yeah. Okay. 
They, That's they, what I thought. It could be good, but the actual mix of co- the cocktail mix is really bad. It doesn't work. Bad cocktail. That's horrendous. Yeah, no, um, I mean, like Jeff is right. If you get to choose your own, sure, fall asleep at, at night. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you're just like continuously making love until you die. Maybe that's the move. <laughs> or I would be into the, the heroin-cocaine combo, like the speedball. Yeah. But sadly, they do not give you these options. Oh, rats. Oh, well. So guillotine, not so bad, you're thinking. No, because it's instantaneous, right? The I problem mean, with group- guillotine is it's a long wind-up. It's similar to hanging. Right. Uh, if they, if they take wind-up. out all the, like, walk through the city streets Game of Thrones style and put your head, I mean, like, <laughs> right. if they could do, like, a version where, like, they yank you out and it's yeah. like maybe 45 seconds of anticipation. I think ultimately that's better. But. Or you're in a bar and someone drops something and you reach down to pick it up and then all of a sudden you realize, <laughs> oh, it's a guillotine. <laughs> Holy shit. That's hey, weird. Is that a nickel? <laughs> that's the last thing you think. That's not so terrible. All right. Uh, let's go to the invitation to cynicism. Ben Barton. And, and before I bring this up too, too much, remember parents might be listening. Okay. Got it. Roots is the miniseries of the year on ABC in 1977. I am wondering, did your parents say, you know what? This is really important for us and for society. We want you to learn about this. Did they, was it appointment viewing in the yeah, we watched household? It. Wow. Jeff Simons. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Every second of it. Huh. But I mean, also we watched Shogun. So it's not like it was just <laughs> that, but yeah, we definitely watched it. Winds of we War. watched all of Shogun as well. Uh, that is hilarious that you pulled Shogun out of your hat because I had forgotten that existed until just now, but I watched every second of that too. Oh, okay. I did not see Roots. I did not see Shogun. I remember a bit of the Winds of War, but that is it. So I have to play a little clip uh, that is whenever anybody brings up Roots, uh, this is what comes to my head, and anybody who can name this movie an actor gets a gold star. You ready? June 5th. Oh, your list of my favorite things. Sunset from my office window. Strindberg's women. All of them. <laughs> my interview in Playboy. Mr. Martin Scorsese. Mozart's Brandenburg Concertos. <laughs> Collecting my $200 for passing gold. Roots. <laughs> the book, not that television horse shit. <laughs> um, is it being there? What is that? That's a good guess. Ben, you got a guess? I think that's Robert Duvall, but I have no idea. Oh, it's the poor man's Robert Duvall. It's Mr. Dabney Coleman. Oh, you're kidding me. And a movie called Modern Problems, when, yes. where Chevy oh. Chase gets telekinetic powers. Oh. But every June 5th, I send that to my friend Ron. As, and it's, we have a June 5th holiday. And so every time somebody brings up Roots, I think, the book, not that television horse shit. <laughs> Dabney Coleman, what a great career. Oh, man. All right. That's it. Let's get to our music. Our three songs. Our three songs. Who's going first? I think it's, is it my turn to go first? Yeah, do it, man. Uh, it is not Cheap Trick. That's Although, good uh, 
I suppose it is. It makes me want to change it. Um, I, I cheap tricked in. I don't think even cheap trick made the ten, top ten in nineteen seventy seven. This is a year full of pretty great music. Um, it's a block for sure. I'm going with the pick I have because it keeps me from breaking the uh, use the same band too many times. Okay. Um, I've also um, Ben has done a really good job of uh, not just picking whatever his favorite when he first fell in love with rock music was and sticking with it. He's had a couple of those, but he's also had ones like I've grown into this song. I love sure. it more than I used to. So I'm going with that one. There are songs from 1977 that I've loved since the second I heard them and I always will. But this is a song that, that um, rewards careful listening and re-listening um, and I just, uh, I love it more every year. Um, and it's a ridiculous choice. It's 11 minutes long. Huh. And it, uh, it is totally uncommercial. And, um, but uh, if you like guitar, if you like electric guitar playing, then it's just a song you have to, you have to spend some time with. And the song is uh, Marquee Moon by Television. That was my guess. Marquee Moon by Television. songs that expanded my horizons like I, th I first bought Marky Moon at the very end of high school and uh, I knew it was like a CBGB's New York City punk right. rock record and um, it doesn't sound anything like those other hard fast um, and I had a, on again off again and I don't remember at what point I, I put it back on and I just found it I just I found the whole record really exciting and that song particularly mesmerizing and uh, I just uh, I it's also one of those great one album bands like television only made two records and the That's second was one stinks, but this one is just so good. There's like a band that had a fantastic idea and got it down on tape before they broke up. And then, what? and I mean, you know, who, there who are other are bands like that, but, um, so it's Tom Verlaine and Richard Lloyd are the two guitar players. Um, Robert Quinn is on bass. I don't remember who the drummer is, but 
they were part of the like Ramones, Patti Smith, Talking Heads, CBGB's crowd okay. starting about 1975. And when those bands started to get signed, television somehow got a record deal as well. And they made this wildly, I mean, what I love about the song is so incredibly well arranged. Each part is so specific and so mathematical, but when you get it together, it has this really organic, um, and it's challenging without being like so outre and out there that it's actually not good. Like, I don't like challenging music for challenging music's sake, but when a record can really push you and also be really entertaining at the same time, that's, that's pretty thrilling. And so Marky Moon is that song for me from 77. And while I'd be happy with probably 20 other choices from this year, I went with that one because it's, it's the weirdest one for me. It's a little bit of a shame to, uh, for this format where you can't play the whole thing because it, right. it really, really, really builds. Like, it's hard to imagine. Like, basically, Jeff's right. It's 11 minutes, and it all sounds exactly like that. And actually, if you skip ahead to minute nine, it still sounds like that. But repeated listens, you're like, oh, it's like there's a lot of subtle changes. They keep layering things. They take things away. They add things back in. It's an interesting uh, taste for sure. It's actually kind of a big story, I think. Was that I was going to say. Year, or was that the one two years ago? Yeah, that was, that was, it is really, it's really a good, and I would not necessarily have made that connection until you made it. No, but it's also, it. it's like a music nerd selection. I think, like, isn't that particular song, um, Tweedy, Jeff Tweedy from Wilco's favorite song? Like, it's on, I think they did it at Solid Sound oh, on, I heard their, that. Yeah. on their cover night, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. He That's loves that heard song. It. And you can hear it, like, you can, like, some of the, oh, some of the Wilco sure. tunes that I Wilco love have that so much thing. to do with it. was a repeated theme going on. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Totally. Television. Never heard of them. Yeah. Never. That doesn't surprise me. What is that supposed to mean? I mean, it's just like, <laughs> unless you're a music nerd and you're like, I mean, unless you suddenly started listening to college radio at two in the morning 20 years ago, I yeah, can't no. imagine it would come across your, your desk. So. Yeah. No, in high school, as we've discussed, I was very much into Wham. Um, ben Barton. That's uh, that's Jeff Simon's big pick for so 77. So this is hilarious. I went the exact opposite way. Love it. I have my favorite song from the first record that I remember owning. This is not oh. the first record that I bought. I've got a song from that later. That was one where I physically <laughs> took the money and went down to the record store. But this was a gift that I got. I asked oh. for it for like my birthday. Okay. I got this. And I remember I had a record player and I played this album. But before we get there, okay. let me explain... This is not the best song from 1977. <laughs> I understand. In 77, Rumors comes out. Yep. Rocket to Russia comes out. Yep. Never mind the Bullocks. My Aim is True. Ugh. The first Clash record. Yep. Two of the best David Bowie records. The first Talking Heads record and Saturday Night Fever all come out in 77. And Animals, which is underrated. That's good Yeah, although I'm not, you know, I'm not a Floyd guy. Um, my daughters, especially my older daughter, Landslide from Rumors, yeah. that's her favorite song from before 2000. Like, okay. She likes that better than the Beatles. She loves Landslide. Um, and so like, I've sort of got a warm spot in my heart for that. But my younger daughter has come with me on this journey, and she has chosen Vienna by Billy Joel. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, I'm from Brooklyn. I'm not even going to hide from it. Wow. Coming up, coming up. <laughs> See, Marky oh, Moon was still it. going. Marky Moon was still going. 
That whole time we were talking, I yeah. had just muted. I didn't turn it off, and it was and, still playing. I, and they just kept playing. All right. Here we go. Here's Vienna. Billy Joel. Vienna by Billy Joel. child you're so ambitious for a juvenile but then if you're so smart tell me why are you still so afraid mm-hmm. where's the fire what's the hurry about you better cool it off before you burn it out you got so much to do and only so many hours in a day That you can get what you want Or you can just get old You're gonna kick off Before you even get halfway through Ooh, and will you realize Vienna waits for you oh, Good stuff. All right, stuff. so I'm going to make a full-throated defense And Let's then I'm going to talk Billy Joel All Let's at the go. same time. All right, so uh, Stranger is Billy Joel's fifth record. Yeah. Fifth record. He's got four records before this. He was almost booted off of Columbia Records for lack of record sales. Basically, the only record that, the only single he had that did anything was Piano Man. Okay. He uh, writes a whole bunch of good songs, gets his touring band together, tries to get George Martin of the Beatles to produce it. And George Martin is like, the guys that you play with suck. You need to <laughs> Billy Joel refuses, goes his own way, basically self-produces The Stranger, of which there's much to mock about. That being said, the record's great. This song is great. Wait, Moving what are you mocking? Is great. What are you going to mock from The Stranger? Say again? What oh, are you mocking from oh, The Stranger? Dude, there's so much to mock. <laughs> what? Just let me go through the things that are great. It's also like, Tim, here's your chance, man. You may recall that I made fun of you for Jackson Brown because he's too solemn and has too much to say about life. And yet Vienna is one of my favorite songs of all time. (laughs) For whatever reason, this song completely speaks to me. I wasn't even a very ambitious teenager. Uh I was more of an ambitious 20 and 30-year-old. Okay. But this like message about life and then moving out is the pair song for me. Yeah. And then you can put scenes with an Italian restaurant in the same category. Like these three songs together give you a nice little Billy Joel view on life. Yeah. Um, sort of cynical take on the American dream. I love all of those things. Okay. Here's some things to make fun of. Are you ready? Okay, go. Jeff Simon's nose. What's the biggest hit on this record? Just the way you are. That's right, my hit. friend. Just the way you are. <laughs> When he recorded the song, and he here we are. Joel originally considered keeping that. This is from the Wikipedia page, which is gold, by the way. <laughs> considered keeping the song off the album as he dismissed it as a gloppy ballad that was out of place with the rest of the rock feel of the album. <laughs> super hard. On a related topic, only the good die young. Okay, here's oh. the story from the Wikipedia page on only the good die young. Uh. Written by Joel while opening for the Beach Boys in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, okay, wow. there you go. At which point, are you ready? Jeff, uh, you're not going to know this. And if you guess it, I'll give you a thousand bucks. What was the original sound for Only the Good Die Young? 
The original sound? Yeah, he had it was a completely different sound. He 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 moved to a rock version, but what was the oh, original version? It was a reggae song. <laughs> it was a reggae song. I don't know that, but as soon as you said that I could hear it. Hold on. At which point it sounded slower paced and more akin to a reggae tune. <laughs> with Joel even singing the song's lyric no. in a Jamaican accent. No. Oh, no. oh come on, Billy. Oh, no. I would actually pay $1,000 to have a copy. The mood of the the song was shifted at the insistence of drummer Liberty DeVito. And by the way, thank God for Liberty DeVito. Good job, Liberty. Who reportedly said to Joel, why are you singing like that? The closest (laughs) you get to Jamaica is the Long Island Railroad. Which is Uh, a great quote. That's great. That's great. He was going to do it in a Jamaican accent. And by the way, there's something for you as well, Tim, on the Wikipedia page. What do you got? She's Always a Woman was also written about his ex-wife, who he hated, obviously. That's the meanest song about a female probably oh. ever written. Wow. Um, so, yeah. And, um, uh, Joel tried to stylize the song as one, this is She's Always a Woman, which would be sung by Gordon Lightfoot. Aww. <laughs> 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 God, it all comes together. That's amazing. So I have a couple even of- with all of these notes, and uh, Jeff will know, like in college and then all the way through. I mean, dude, in late high school, I just had to beat off the stupid morons from Brooklyn who love Billy Joel. Oh, right, like, sure. Oh, Stormfront is sure. the single greatest statement oh, about American life ever, oh, uh, let alone an innocent man. I mean, it's just brutal. I had somebody try and defend the stupid suicide thing. So, which is oh, God, you're only human? Yeah. Which so is, I uh, which is like, Billy a Joel reggae Taylor. song, by which the way. I would like to point out. Song. Yeah. Oh my God. All of that so, being said, this is the record, man. This record. Oh, uh, yeah, well, here we go. You. I'm gonna let. I'm gonna give Ben oh. a pass on this because we've been friends a long time. But I have to point out a couple things, right? That um, his hatred of Elton John makes absolutely no sense because this is piano-based silly pop music with horrendous lyrics and over-the-top syrupy musical theater production values. Also, wow. Joel is the most hilariously bad lyricist for being a good lyricist. Like, that guy <laughs> knows the difference between good and bad lyrics, and he just writes a bad lyric sometimes and is like, nah. Give like, an example of a okay. bad Billy Joel lyric. Slow down, you crazy child. You're so ambitious for a juvenile. Like, that's a beautiful one. Juvenile. Who calls them juveniles? Unless they're handcuffed and going into a white no, no, van. The they're selection. not juveniles. The actual selection is JFK blown away. What more do I have to say? Yes, that is also <laughs> terrible. That is also <laughs> equally horrendous. Also, Billy Joel is such a ravage, just a rampant misogynist. These are the meanest love songs ever written. Like, and oh. I've been to I've been to like ten weddings where the father daughter dance is a Billy Joel song, and I'm like, have you listened to these lyrics? Like, I don't want clever conversation. I never want to work that hard. That is a mean yeah. thing to say in a love song, right? She's always a woman. Is is uh, brutal. So as basically, well. I don't want to talk to you. Oh, I yeah. All okay. for Lena. Go listen to All for Lena on uh, Glass Houses. It's the it's Billy Joel 101. Hilarious. Wow. Okay. But, uh, but all that being said, holy crap, can that guy write a melody? I mean, that's just undeniable. Like, I'm going to sing Vienna for the rest of the night now, even though I really, really dislike it. But you I don't think like that song. song. You don't like that song? 
did we get to the accordion solo? There's an accordion There's solo an accordion. in the middle of, of this. It takes place in Vienna. You're just not talking. You're, you're too much it of a type A personality, place, man. Wait, Tim and it I takes, understand. It takes place in a pizzeria. It does not take place in Vienna. That that accordion is all like the dude on the pizza box is like Mario from the game. He's like, I'm going to play the accordion now. That is the production. I, I absolutely anyway, love give it a I pass. love how, how Ben can balance his principles. But by yeah, the way, I, you, Jeff, you agree. You're not going to argue. The Stranger's the best Billy Joel record. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I like um, – do I like any of them? I mean, yeah, no, if you're going to – if you have to roll with one, you roll with that one for sure because it's it, – it, it has a thing. Like, it's a thing, yeah. right? So it which feels, song do you like better on The Stranger than, that, than Vienna? You like, you like Moving Out? Uh, I like scenes from an Italian restaurant. That song's a banger song. too. I, I think I actually song. prefer scenes for Italian because it's it is what it is. Like it's a Billy Joel writes musicals. Like Billy Joel should have written for Broadway and scenes from an Italian restaurant. There's a freaking musical called Moving Out. Oh, I know, but he didn't write it for that. But scenes from an Italian restaurant should be sung by people sashaying back and forth and like coming across the stage in groups of eleven. You know, like Brenda and Eddie, and there should be people going Brenda and Eddie behind them. Like that yeah. song is. That song is Billy Joel at his best, which is why it's my favorite, but it's also pretty much everything I hate about him at the same time. Oh, no, it's not his worst, though. I mean, the ballads are the worst. Oh, well, the ballads are, yeah. I, and so, this man might be the worst when he's, like, one to be a 50s uh, greaser, when he's got, like... That was weird. He's got that little pudge, and he's, like, losing but, his hair like by that. By the way, my kids... Unforgivable. My kids love Uptown Girl. My kids, too. They will not it's let so me It's so funny. It, it's like Rich Girl. Like, somehow that song, that's the song that's come around. Dude, my daughter's, one of their favorite teachers in high school is their AP U.S. history teacher, and he spent three classrooms, three class periods, doing the stupid Billy Joel, We Didn't Like the Fire song. He went oh, lyric God. by lyric explaining oh, it to them. He's got to let go of that. I mean, that's... Dude, that's, he's, a, he, he's a fat dude from New Jersey who's my age. Nah, he's so he's like, let me yeah. tell you. He will that's, not be letting go of that. No. <laughs> Warning that that's yeah. locked into the curriculum. It's a great uh, choice, though. You know you picked a great song when everybody has a whole hell of a lot to say about it, though. Nicely done. All right. I tell you what. I want you, Jeff Simons, by – well, I guess you got some school stuff going on. By Saturday, I, wanna, I want you to email your top 10 Billy Joel song list. I could do that before. I can do that right now. Ready? Uh, no, no. Well, we got to move on. We got to move on. I got. I can do it right now. Come on. What do you really want? You do, this is the world of instant gratification. Here's my top ten Billy Joel. Boom. Angry young man from Turns. Oh, that's number one. You suck. You suck. That's a terrible call. That you were out. Stop <laughs> listening. No that's, particular that's order. That's a really bad call. Jesus Christ! And they're in alphabetical order. You schmuck. What do you want from me? <laughs> you know, we said top ten. You said number one. Wait, you already have a Billy Joel top ten list? I'm just looking just, at my list. I think it's oh, Angry Young Man, You May Be Right, Sleeping With The Television On, uh, She's Right On Time, Italian Restaurant, uh, maybe Summer Highland Falls. I like that yeah. one a lot. I'd probably put Vienna in there just to be nice. Uh, <laughs> you got to put Moving bit. Out. Moving Out's my second favorite. Yeah, I have, moving out. I have Moving out in there. Maybe uh, New York State uh, of Mind. Maybe. I mean... That's enough. I got Captain I got Jack. I know you love Captain Jack. That's every night, the Captain Jack. Captain Jack is is uh, every, every time we Captain drive Jack to Boston. Jack makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I know. Uh, That's time, why I brought it up. Every time like we that. drive to Boston, uh, the kids, uh, I'll, I'll warn them. I'm like, we're gonna hear New York State of Mind, and just prepare yourself. As I flip through the radio, at some point in the tri-state area, it's coming. Um, 
Wait, right, did, I just well, get, did you just yell, you suck at me after I was nice to you about Billy Joel? That's it. Gloves are off. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, know, I know how to, I can bring the two of you together. My, uh, my number one song, which is the number one song of 1977, comes from an artist we haven't mentioned yet. Even though like The Jam, Talking Heads, Elvis Costello, The Clash, Peter Gabriel all have their first albums in 1977. Um, I, I'm going to skip Heroes by David Bowie, though I love that song. I'll skip Psycho Killer. I want to ask you guys one question. 1977 is a remarkable year because if you look at the all-time album sales, say the top 10 album sales, one album comes from 1976. One album comes from 1978. Three albums come from 1977. This is all-time album sales. Three albums come from 1977. Uh, Jeff, what's from 1976? Uh, songs in the Key of... No, it's not no. Songs in the Key of Life. This you is, know um, this. Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. No. That's 77. Uh, yes, it is. I'm bad with the ones that sold lots of copies. Is it Eagles Greatest Hits? Is that 76? Indeed, Jeff Simon. Oh. It is the Eagles Greatest Hits, where you can picture those two dudes in Hawaii dancing to, what song were they dancing to? Oh, Life and, uh, no, what was that? One of These Nights. Oh. <laughs> so they weren't singing One of These Nights. They weren't busking. They, they were just, just making dancing. it One of These Nights, yeah. Okay. So that's from 1976. Do either of you know the album from 1978 that is number 10 in the top 10? What do you think, Ben? It is the soundtrack to... Greece. The soundtrack Greece. to Greece. Is that right? Yes. That's so an the, amazing call. The three albums from 1977 that make up the all-time top 10... I think I can the, do two of them. Hold on, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. Luke, Jeff already got Sunlight Fever. Rumors has got to be one of them. Got to be Rumors. Rumors is number eight. The BG Saturday Night Fever is number seven. Right. Can, tell us where it is in the top ten. What's, number, what's the third one? Number three, but I am going with Wikipedia, and I don't know if that means like – That's fine. Computer yeah. sales. Is it another know, greatest hits record? No. Wait, a, a, a single record – from so thriller, thriller's number one. Yeah. You can't look. Are you looking? No, no I'm not I'm looking. Just, I'm just trying to think about it. Just tell us. Jeff Simons, if you will go to the number one song from 1977, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights oh, meatloaf. by Meatloaf, oh, I would like you to start at the four-minute mark because Bad Out of Hell is the number three all-time best-selling album. Paradise by the Dashboard Lights by Meatloaf. This kid really makes things happen out there. Batter steps up to the plate. Here's the pitch, and he's going, and what a jump he's got. He's trying to third. Here's the throw, and in the dirt, safe master. Holy cow, golden base. Taking a pretty big lead out there, almost daring him to try and pick him off. Pitcher glasses over, winds up, and it's one and one down the third baseline, and suicide squeezes on. Here he comes, squeeze play is going to be close. Here's the throw, here's the play at the plate. Holy cow, I think he's going to make it. Stop right there. I gotta know right now. Before we go any further, do you love me? Will you love me forever? Do you need me?
Interesting choice of clip. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. That's, you know that's Rodman on guitar, though, huh? Is that right? I know it's Carla Bonoff on the female vocal. I know it's I Phil Rizzuto on the play-by-play. Totally. Play. It's definitely you don't remember Phil that. It's yep. definitely so. So funny. You picked an eleven-minute song, Jeff. Ben, you picked um, uh, two and a, a half. A, mu- a musical yeah. theater type guy. Hi. Um, this is a song that is also a little opera, is it not? For sure. For three minutes and fifteen seconds, it's one song. Yep. For a minute and a half, it's Phil Rizzuto. Yeah. And then there are two more songs after that, all to make one big statement. Eight and a half minutes. About what it's like to try and hook up in high school. You know what I think is so funny? Like, this record is inextricably linked with the Rocky Horror Picture Show for me. And like, for years, I thought it was the same thing. I thought all of the Rocky Horror Picture Show songs were Bad Out of Hell and Meatloaf. Like, I thought Paradise from the Dashboard Light was in that movie. And it wasn't, it was like, I mean, I think it was late in high school. I'm like, wait, those are two different things? Like, I just never, I never wait, separated them. Is there a Meatloaf them. song in Rocky Horror? Nope. He's in it, though, isn't he? You just associated them together. Yeah, but he's in it. He plays like a rocker dude who gets killed by the whatever uh, yeah, the yeah. guy, Rocky. Yeah. Tim Allen, what's his name? Yeah, Tim Curry. Okay. Tim Curry, thank you. Tim yeah. Allen is home improvement. <laughs> That's good. Oh, God. Um, what's the story on Meatloaf? Is he like a corporate creation put together to, to be like ACDC or Iron Maiden or something it's like that? It's hard to imagine you would choose a 320-pound sweaty behemoth to be your corporate creation. But yeah, Jim yeah, Steinman but- wrote the whole thing, right? Jim Steinman like wrote, recorded the whole thing and then hired Meatloaf to sing it. It's not unlike Boston, right, where... Tom Scholz did the whole thing in his basement and then hired a guy to sing the lead vocals. I oh, think is that what Boston did? That's right. Steinman wrote the whole thing, and then the sound is Todd Rundgren. It's easily Todd Rundgren's best record, in my opinion. I mean, other people might disagree, but oh, it's that's a beautiful sounding record. The, when it cuts out of the – first of all, the Phil Rizzuto part, I got the, the lyrics are super cheesy, and the <laughs> sound is cheesy. But, it, but when it comes out to just the guitar with her singing – Stop right there. Uh, bow, 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 bow. That guitar sound sounds freaking great. It's awesome. Wait, what's Todd Rundgren doing on the album? He's the producer. Yeah. And I think he's that's the guitarist right. on all the tracks. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I had no idea. Uh, it's even more impressive because Todd Rundgren doesn't sound anything like that when he gets to play the way he wants to. Totally. And so Meatloaf falls off the earth after bad out of hell does he have a follow-up album yeah he's in a movie called roadie which is like uh it was like a star vehicle for him about the rock and roll business where he played i believe he plays the roadie and it was a giant flop and then that's it and and then he has a an album in like 90 or 91 or something no no he's got the 19 i'm on the wikipedia page now bad out of hell too i think dead ringer oh boy what year is that 1981. Oh, but that didn't do anything. I'm sad to report that did not do anything. <laughs> and this record's got a couple of other enormous songs, right? Like, like all the, the songs are... Be good too. It's 10 minutes and like it, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's like eight minutes long or something like that, right? Yeah. It's all huge, giant, symphonic stuff, right? 
But what's so fascinating is it's coming across as a bat out of hell and a motorcycle and, and flames, but he's kind of a, kind of a softy. Right? Yes, this is weird. He really like, set me up to make fat jokes. I'm trying really hard not to, but yes, he is kind of a softy. <laughs> he's kind of a softy. I mean, Here's he's not, he's not Led Zeppelin. Is that the, the emotions of it and the beats of it are all from like 1963 or before. The Paradise for the Dashboard Light yeah. and the woman holding out. We got to get married before we have sex, all of this stuff. It's a right. really weird throwback. In, like, I mean, the, the Bee Gees are much more in time with what's actually happening in 77 right. than this record. This is a song about being a teenager 15 years beforehand. And it's also, um, it just has some huh. creepy messages, about, in my opinion. There's some creepy yeah. messages about sex and there's creepy messages about the female version of it and the male version of it. Like, um, it's like, this is how much I uh, worry about the, the feeling of it is that I'll take the Bee Gees Saturday Night Fever version ahead of this version. And that's not well, high praise. When you're a young Catholic boy, this is all you have to go on. But when you're I... You're only good die young. When I... <laughs> yeah, man. You Catholic girls start much too late. By the way, like, I think I remember like figuring out that he's not talking about baseball. And that was like this profound moment for me. Like, wait a that minute. That just happened? That happened just to this? <laughs> <laughs> wait, what? This is a weird, yeah. this is really interesting. This is a kind of weird, like, it's almost like a super group thing with having, like getting Todd Rundgren to do the whole thing. And uh, fascinating. And who's the, who's the female singer? What's her name? Her name's Carla Bonoff. She was like a really great background singer on a bunch of cool 70s tracks. Like she's the ooze on the back of Magnet and Steel. And she's, on, she's like huge catalog. Wow. All okay. right. Well, I just remember, you didn't have MTV, right, Tim? That, I'm sure that was considered sinful. We had V66. That's right. So this video is- ran every 10 minutes on MTV in the first couple years because they only had like 50 videos and they weren't showing black artists right, yet. Right, right. And this, this performance video of the band playing this live was on a continuous loop. So I was yeah, already burned like out concert, by Dashboard right? Light before I, even, before I even had an opinion on whether I liked it or not. I was, I'd already heard it too many times. <laughs> well, that is it. Final word on 1977. I'm just going to go... Uh, get Barbara Streisand's greatest hits and run it back to front. Um, all, sounds great. Does it, isn't this 77 the year that you don't bring me flowers? The Barbara Neil diamond duet goes to number one, too. Cause that's my, Ugh. for me, that is the, if you had to sum up everything we've been slagging about the seventies and it's one building song, towards Barbara, it would be and that Neil. Barbara and Neil is for me, that song is just like, Everything awful about that decade in three it's minutes. It's got to be later. It's got to be yeah, later. Yeah, maybe it's coming up. I'm looking forward to it when it comes. <laughs> By the way, Jim Steinman had the number one and the number two hit in 1983. Are you ready? No yeah. way. What do you got? Oh, yeah. Total Eclipse of the Heart. Of course that's him. Of yep. course he wrote that. Yep. And then Air Supplies, Making Love Out of Nothing at All. Oh, my, oh my God. God. I love this guy. This guy is my... Ford 83, man. Just put it <laughs> down in 10. This guy yeah. is my idol. Actually, you know what I love about that is Crushing somewhere it. Jim Steinman is sipping a margarita on a, with a oh, view yeah. of Malibu. And uh, he can go anywhere he wants and nobody will bother him. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening to 50 Years of Music. Check us out on Twitter and give us some advice. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electrocast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electrocast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electrocast Podcasts and hear the culture. Electrocast. Electrocast.